Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers Podcast. We are four homeschooling mamas with a combined 32 years of experience homeschooling our 12 kids, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier. We're so glad you're here. Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers. This is Harmony. We are so glad you're joining us tonight. I am here with Heather, Annie, and Lindsay, and we're going to be talking about the riches or enrichments, or some people call them the extras or the beauty subjects, the topics that you cover that are beyond the core subjects of math, science, language arts, and history or geography, and how we work those into our homeschools. So let's start out by talking about just what are these subjects? What are the extra subjects that we add in? beyond the three R's and the basic core subjects. And then we'll talk about how we fit them in and some of our favorite resources. So Heather, what are some of the extras that you include in your homeschool? Outside of the core subjects, it varies every year, but currently Bible, we also do a hymn study, art usually once a month. I consider my kids extracurricular activities, like physical activities in that realm too. So we have dance and aerial silks. Cooking and baking is a big one in my house as well that I've always considered that an extra and part of their learning. And right now my girls are teaching my boys how to bake, which I just love. Yeah, I think currently that's our main core of extras that we are doing. I'm sure it's fluctuated throughout the years. We've done artist studies. We've done composer studies, different things like that. Annie, what about you? I was trying to make a list of what we have done We do art. I have uh, two girls that are far more accomplished than their mother in the arts. We do music. So we take piano lessons up until the pandemic started. And then my kids are into horses. And so we do horse lessons and compete at different events. And so they have a couple of different trainers for their different competitions. And then we do a lot of handcrafts, yarn and fabric and woodworking. And so those are the things that we've added in as those extras. Lindsay? Um, I think we've done several of the things that the other ladies have mentioned. In the past, we have done artist and composer studies as part of some co-ops where we are a part of. I would say right now we do art through a couple different resources. We read poetry together as part of our morning time routine. I think like Heather, I would count my kids' physical activity stuff in that realm too. So two of my kids are getting ready to play soccer. And then my oldest is really into coding. And so I would count that in there for him as well. We do some hands-on art. So the girls actually doing an art lesson and then also some art history, I guess I would call it and painting study and sculpture as well. And then composers and Shakespeare, I would lump in there as well. We've been doing Shakespeare since the very beginning, memorizing a little bit of Shakespeare, but also just becoming familiar with his stories so that when the time comes that we want to actually read Shakespeare, the story lines are already there and it makes the language much easier. That's my hope. And then poetry as well for us and Bible and hymns and some memory work, some scripture memory work, some poetry memory work, Shakespeare memory work. When you take in 
words that are beautiful, those words somehow become part of you. And then you have that beauty saved up in your mind and in your memory as something to scaffold you in life, like something to stand on. So the truths of scripture and some of the beautiful poetry from all kinds of literary periods. So those are the things that we focus on. How do you choose what things to include beyond your core subjects? Does that evolve over time? Is it based on kids' interests? Is it based on your vision? What things shape those decisions? I would say first for me, it will be if my co-op is offering anything that sounds interesting that I want my kids to take. Because I will say as we do take some core classes at our co-op, I do usually let my kids take an extra class or two as well, something that's not core subject. They've taken cooking there. They've taken quilting. They've taken improv, different things like that. I would have them at our co-op. At home, we always do a Bible time in the morning together. And art has always been one. Now that my kids aren't getting that at our co-op, last year during the pandemic, I started doing art at home with them. Annie, what about you? Part of it is student interest. The horse lessons, for example, is not something that I said, when I homeschool my children, they will be equestrians and (laughs) will be taking these lessons. That's not something I was never going to be a horse mom, but that is their interest. And they obviously need some other support other than their parents to learn those skills. And so that comes from their request. And then other things I ask of them. They started piano lessons four years ago. And I said, you have to give it three years. I want three years of music. And then you can decide if you want to move on from piano to a different instrument or you want to be done with music altogether. And so one has said that they are done. And I get that. It was a struggle all three years for that child. But then the other two are not quite sure and they might do guitar or they might move on to something else. So they're still kind of exploring that when in-person lessons start up again for us. So we'll see. Other things are required because you live in my home. So you are going to learn to cook. You're going to learn to do some sort of hand craft, some sort of creative outlet, whether it be drawing or painting or flower arranging or sewing or woodworking. We're going to explore them and find at least one or two that you want to pursue further. So some things I do as a survey, we're all going to learn to crochet a potholder. And if you enjoy that, if you'd like to make something else, you can keep going in that. But I'm not going to require someone who's miserable doing a potholder to now do a full-size sweater. So what's the motivation behind choosing piano and putting a minimum on that? Or even saying, I want you to learn a handicraft skill. What is the rationale behind it? I know there's a thinking behind that and I probably already know your answer, but I'm going to ask you to tell listeners. I want them to have not just, I took piano lessons for six weeks and I hated it, so I quit. You got to give it longer than that. I'd like to be able to play songs and be able to read music. That way, if you want to move on to another instrument, you have the basics down. You know your scales, you know your treble clef and your bass clef and your notes, and you can move on. You know how to count notes. So even if you're in percussion, you can still know the difference between an eighth note and a whole note. I just want them to have that background knowledge. Now, my one child, who probably will not ever play another instrument, can go to a concert and watch someone play an instrument well and have an appreciation for that skill. Having gone through three years of hard work and dedication themselves, they can turn around and say, wow, 
Look at him play that saxophone or look at her pound on those drums. Gal, the amount that she must put in to be that good. You know, to have that appreciation for another's talent is also a part of the reason behind it. I want them to explore creative outlets because we're all creative. Every single person is creative and what we are adept at creating can be very different. I don't want them to do the same creative outlets that I do just because they're my child. I am going to learn origami. My sister-in-law lived for four years in Japan and has excellent resources for that. So that's something we're going to be adding in the next year. I've never done it, but we're going to explore it together. And then when I see a beautiful piece of origami, I can say, wow, I tried to do origami and it did not go well, if it doesn't go well. (laughs) Um, I can also have an appreciation for someone's effort. If they're given a homemade gift, I want them to know the effort and care that goes into something that someone makes, even if it isn't perfect, you know, the effort that something takes to be handmade or homemade. Yeah, I totally agree. Lindsay, what about you? It's definitely a mix for us. As the other ladies have said, there are some things that I just want to expose my kids to, like poetry. Can laundry count? (laughs) But, you know, in all seriousness, like how to take care of yourself is important and it's not, you know, part of our core curriculum, but we're certainly doing it every day. How to cook for yourself, how to clean, things like that are just kind of built in. I would say as my kids have gotten older, we probably lean more on the child-led side for these because especially for my older two, my 10-year-old and my 12-year-old, they're starting to think about what kind of job might I want to pursue when I grow up. My oldest has been talking about maybe getting into computer science or something like that. So we're trying to find him classes where he can work on coding and Minecraft mod building and all this stuff that I don't know anything about. It really captures his interest and it's kind of giving him this whole other curriculum really to learn, this whole other language that he's learning and he's really enjoying it. Just a mixture of what mom wants and what kids want. When I was first figuring out that I wanted to homeschool, and I talked about this in my snapshot, the notion of spreading a feast before your kids was really appealing to me. I went to a liberal arts college and you you take your basic studies classes and then I took classes toward my major and I had two majors and a minor. And I didn't really have an opportunity to do much with studying classical music. I was in band when I was in middle school and then in ninth grade, you know, we wanted to play more pop songs. So movie songs and maybe some John Williams and things like that. But I really had no foundation in classical music. I had no foundation. Foreign language is probably one of the things we should mention too. Mm -hmm. I took foreign language throughout high school and then in college, but I didn't start early. You know, we didn't start those things until maybe eighth grade. You had an exploratory and then you know, four years in high school and then some in college. And so starting foreign language younger was something I thought I wanted to expose my girls to. And they have fun with it, but also to give them a background in some things. When I was 25, I backpacked Europe for a summer. And I remember I bought a Rick Steves book on art. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was an art manual for traveling around Europe and going to museums and understanding some of the more famous works that were in the museums. I thought, I wish I had known this younger. And then I started to find artists that I really like. I became more familiar with John Waterhouse and the other 
pre-Raphaelite artists and Monet and understood the different schools of Impressionism and I found enjoyment later in life. And so I wanted to kind of open those doors for my kids to find that enjoyment earlier. And especially because I always have loved literature and there are so many connections between classical music and literature and art and literature that I wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity to see those things. And then also just to be able to make connections between the three biggest sources of illusion in literature, Shakespeare, Greek mythology, and the Bible. I wanted to make sure they had Greek mythology from an early age and Shakespeare stories from an early age. And so that there was a foundation to build on. And I'm really seeing the fruit of that. So choosing those things was kind of out of the overall vision for me and of what I wanted my homeschool to look like. You can spend your entire homeschool time just focusing on the basics. It takes extra effort to build in time for kids' interests Mm -hmm. or the extra subjects that you want to cover for handicrafts, for all these things that we're talking about, you know, so you have to figure out how to to do that. But I knew that I wanted it to be a priority, not to force it with them, but to offer it to them. That whole idea of spreading Mm -hmm. a table with a broad feast on it for them to be exposed to and encounter. Okay. So how do we fit these things in? And you can have a perfectly adequate homeschool too, where you're covering everything you need to cover by just doing the basics, but everybody does have interests. Like Annie said, everybody is creative. So when we find things that we want to fit in, regardless of what those things are, how do we do that on top of covering all the basics? So Heather, how do you make room for the extra things? Well, we start with our morning time and that's the time that we're all together. So things that I want all of us to do, we do during that time. So we do like our Bible time during that time. And right now that's watching the Bible project videos. We also sing a hymn. And so we do that all together. I have a book and it has the the hymn lyrics and then it has the background of the hymn. It tells you, you know, about the composer and the writer and what they were going through during the time that they wrote that song. So we do that. And then I usually just find a YouTube video of the song with the lyrics that we can sing it to. Things like art. My kids used to attend an art class and it was just once a month in our city. So just whenever that was, you know, we scheduled that time out of our calendar to make sure that they could go to that. Now that they're not meeting in person, it's an online subscription, which makes it easier because we can fit it in. But it's kind of harder at the same time, right? Because it's not on the calendar at a set date and time that you have to leave your house and go to. So usually one or two afternoons a month is when I'll have them do one of the art lessons. He releases two lessons a month, like a bigger lesson and a smaller lesson. So that's usually what we'll do like one or two times a month. And I usually have them do it. I work a couple afternoons a week. My daughter knows how to sign into it on her computer and iPad. And so I usually say if I'm going to work that day, like, hey, do an art lesson this afternoon. And I'm not there. So and when I get home, I see their art hanging on the wall. So (laughs) I know they did it. Other things like things that are scheduled, they just get put on our calendar. And when things are at our co-op, they obviously can have them at our co-op. But I will say it is hard, I think, for me with the extras, making sure they happen if they don't already have a scheduled time to happen. Because like you said, you do have to make it a priority. It has to be something that you really prioritize, I guess, because I can tell you like, you know, one year I went to a homeschool conference and I bought a subscription for a kit that was getting mailed every month. And I have several boxes unopened because they just didn't happen. So it really just takes prioritizing and intentionality to make sure that they happen. 
want to ping on something you said. You mentioned morning time. It's kind of a homeschool buzzword. The concept right. of morning time originated with a woman named Cindy Rollins who homeschooled her large family. And what she found was that if she didn't make a space in the day for the things that they could cover as a family, regardless of age or grade level difference, like him and Bible study and poetry, some read alouds, like maybe fairy tales or whatever family read aloud they were doing. And also I think she did some grammar. Some people, you know, read Plutarch's lives or they might cover the Greek myths or some Shakespeare during that time. Then those things didn't happen if there wasn't a time set aside. And so some people call it circle time. Some people call it morning time and they're the all family subjects. And maybe they will be, you know, the history read aloud too, or whatever, if you've got everybody on the same history cycle, but it's a time when you bring all the kids together and then you make sure that you're making time for those things. And maybe it's an hour. I've, I've heard people say they take a half an hour. Some people take two hours to do it, but it's whatever works in the current season you're in. And people just tend to call it morning time. Yeah. When my kids were really little, I did call it circle time. And that's when we went over the seasons and the months and the days of the week and the temperature and things like that. Learning our address and our phone number. All of which are handy and you need to know them. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> So Annie, what about you? How do you fit things in? Well, I have never done a morning time. I love Pam Barnhill's Your Morning Basket Mm -hmm. podcast. I think Pam should just come sit beside (laughs) my bed and read me to sleep every night. (laughs) Her voice is just beautiful and she's so full of wisdom. And I really wish my kids would be morning basket kids, but we're not. It's like flashcards and notebooks. I I wish we were good at that too. Lap books. That's it. I wish we were good at that too. We're not. So that's part of it is realizing, wow, that is so amazing. That doesn't work here. I went with Lindsay's suggestion and built in some weeks off in our schedule. And then that's when I'm going to add in some of the bigger projects. For example, we're going to do a paper making kits that I got from a friend years ago and just have not had the strength to pull it out and create that kind of a mess. But for the week off that we have coming up in April, we're going to take that outside and do it. So that's when I do some of the bigger things for course lessons that once a week or once every other week. And so that just gets fit into the schedule. My kids did take an art class once a week down in Bismarck for a year. And then we started doing it at home. I wanted them to have the basics so that they could build off of that. And I could not teach them the basics. I can draw a mediocre stick figure and that's about it. They needed to learn things like perspective and the words oil pastels, which I had never heard until my kids came home from art (laughs) class. So I wanted them to get those basics. And then now we're building on those. I use Craftsy as a way to build in some of those lessons that I've wanted to teach. Last month we did embroidery and Craftsy just did a really nice job of a beginning embroidery lessons. I learned a couple new stitches and I've been embroidering for most of my life. There are lots of tools available out there if you want to learn something for yourself. Well, Crafty even has Crafty even has like cake decorating and cooking. Oh, cookie decorating, photography. Yep, and my kids did comic books. There's a comic book class. So they took that and there's tons of drawing and painting ones. My youngest particularly wanted some more classes. And so I went through Craftsy and made a list of the ones I thought that she would enjoy. And I came up with like 22 of them, but was by no means all of them. I've been a member of Craftsy for a long time. I bought kits from them years ago when they first started. And then they kind of shut down for about a year and then came back as the master class of crafting. It's 
it's really a good value for the money. You can rewind and watch and you don't have to travel anywhere. The very first lesson, they give you the list of supplies. So if you want to preview it as the teacher and you want to go through, okay, what am I actually going to need here? Okay, I have that. I have that. Oh, I need to order that or I need to pick that up. So they do a really nice job. Every class that my kids and I have taken on Craftsy has been excellent. I also have a masterclass subscription and that is mainly for mom's personal edification. But there's a few on there that I'm going to plug the kids into. Some history ones and a writing one. So that's another option. Again, more so for mom. But there's cooking classes on there. If you have kids that are interested in interior design or fashion, those classes are on there. Steph Curry teaches a basketball class. Like if you're going to learn basketball, Steph Curry is the one to learn it from. Lindsay, what about you? One thing that came to mind while the other ladies were talking is that we definitely in our family don't do all this at once. We're not doing art study and composer study and a handicraft all on the same day. Yep. Sometimes we might take a year to focus intensely on one area. There was a really great Usborne book. I think it's called The Children's Book of Art. Mm -hmm. And we used that in our morning's time for, I think over the course of about half a year. There's just some really great pictures of beautiful artwork in there. And it also gave some information about the artist and then about the style or the time period. We dove deep into art during that season, but then we weren't also doing a bunch of extra stuff on top of that. And I think too, in our family, a lot of these have been outsourced, you know, like Masterclass or Craftsy, which we do not have Craftsy. And I'm thinking I might have to after Annie has been talking about it. Check it out for my kiddos. But also field trips have been huge for us. Taking my kids to the symphony or going to a museum. We try to do stuff like that. It's great to get a book about, you know, an artist or a composer or something and read about it or like listen to it. Ask Alexa to play Mozart. That's an easy way to do it for sure. But to get them out and seeing live music, which obviously we have not done in quite some time, (laughs) or at an art museum, or even like the zoo, you know, things like that. Some extra nature study that's above and beyond because we get to see animals that are not native to our climate. We've really enjoyed stuff like that as a family. And it's something that we do less frequently, but I feel like those make a big impact a lot of the time. Yeah. And obviously actual experiences can be so deeply impactful. We don't do everything every day either. I put this on a rotating schedule. So we work on, you know, like our bit of memory work every day and we'll review something that we've memorized before. We definitely read Bible every day and work on some scripture and and do a hymn. We learn one hymn at a time, one verse at a time. So it's a slow build. Like we might learn, you know, four hymns, maybe at the most three to four over the course of a whole school year. If they're a longer one, it might be only two. And same thing for a poem. If we're memorizing something, it's one stanza or one verse at a time, and it's a slow process. So it's not like you're drinking from a fire hose. We move on when we're ready. I've used the Children's Book of Art from Usborne as well, and that's a great one to kind of do an overview. And we would look at one painting a week, you know, just one. It wasn't every day. And with composers, listen to one piece of classical music a week on a different day so that we're just getting, you know, those little bits. But over time, it all really adds up. So it feels fairly low pressure because you're just taking in a small amount at a time. You know, we read a new poem every day. And I like to get my kids out too. Pre-COVID, the Nutcracker was, I think, Willie's first ever full ballet, you know, with an orchestra. And that's, you know, traditional. A lot of families do that. It's a great way to expose your kids to formal ballet and to, to a symphony performance and connect those dots. There's a story and this is also, you know, Tchaikovsky. And, and then we do extracurricular 
sparklers too. My girls have piano lessons and that was important to me too, for the same reasons that Annie mentioned. And classical music study or learning music, there's a lot of brain science behind that helping with math. And I kind of did the same thing. Let's try it and give it some time. And my eight-year-old absolutely loves piano. She's finishing up her third year of piano. One of her favorite days of the week is piano lessons. Yeah. And they both do dance. I don't want to be a dance mom. I went into it knowing that. And that is a lot of kind of the dance culture. And we're sort of the Abla family who's like, nope, I just want them to enjoy moving their bodies and love listening to music and learn the ballet positions because that's a foundation. And if they ever want to do theater, they have those dance skills. Those served me well when I was an older kid and in theater. So hands-on art and nature study and those kind of things are always on the weekend because as a working mom, we don't do afternoon handicrafts. A full-on traditional Charlotte Mason homeschool would do nature study every day and handicrafts every afternoon. And those are things that we maybe sit for half an hour at night sometimes and watch part of a movie or listen to an audiobook and we might knit a couple of rows or you know something like that my eight-year-old's learning to knit and she's learned to sew and we fill in on the weekends you can make time for what matters for you and you can figure out how to find the amount of time that you can do and in the space Mm -hmm. that you can do it for your family lifestyle yeah and one more fun plug too for the weekends is then you can get dad involved a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And even though we're homeschoolers, like a lot of us still think of schooling on a Monday through Friday schedule, but learning is still happening on the weekend. So I know Mm -hmm. my husband really has enjoyed the few times that he's been able to join us on a field trip or, you know, we go on a hike as a family together and we'll definitely count that towards some extracurricular time. John is a motorhead. There's nothing vehicle-wise, tractor-wise, anything mechanical. John can fix it. So he has been teaching the kids. I think all of my kids can change a tire. So can I. But he has made sure they can all change a tire and they know how to spin lug nuts and do that stuff. Because that's something simple that they can help dad with. This weekend at church, one of the ladies in our church, her tire had a fast leak in it. Basically, it went flat during church. So the older guys in the church, well, we'll we'll take care of it. And Henry's like, do you want me to do the lug nuts? The lady actually took pictures of Henry doing the lug nuts and all the older guys in church are, you know, standing around supervising. But Henry was the one who actually changed her tire. I love that not only do they know how to do it, but Henry knew I should volunteer to do this. That was a little proud mom moment that he stepped in and helped out. One of the things I wanted to mention back when we could attend events... I bought season tickets to the Broadway tour that was coming through Bismarck. So we got six Broadway shows a year and I cannot afford six shows times five season tickets. So I bought two and that was a way that each kid could have a special night with mom and they got to pick where we went out to eat and we usually made an afternoon of it. So they got to go, whether it was to the bookstore or to a different store that they'd been wanting to go to just with me. And we went out to dinner to wherever they wanted to go. And then we went to the show together. And sometimes you can use those enrichment activities to just spend some time one-on-one with our kids, Mm -hmm. love on them a little bit extra, and they're still getting an enrichment activity wrapped in a whole lot of love and special time with a parent. Well, if you share your own hobbies too, like knitting is one of my hobbies, sewing is one of my hobbies, and in sharing your hobbies, sometimes they pick up and that becomes that exact relationship builder piece. So if there's a hobby that you have that you haven't thought about bringing your kids into, invite them into it because it might be a real connection point for you. I 
was just going to add, I don't know who was talking, but it made me think of when we were talking about how we schedule the extras into our days. And I haven't used this, but I remember reading about it. And I know some friends have done it loop scheduling mm-hmm. for the different activities, you know, where you list them all out and you just do one a day. And then the next day you go to the next thing. So it's not like you're doing knitting on Monday and art on Tuesday. It doesn't have a set schedule like that. You just go through the loop. And once you get through it, you repeat it again. Do the next thing. Yeah. And Pam Barnhill has mm-hmm. a great in her plan your year materials. She has a great tutorial on doing loop scheduling. And then it takes off the pressure too. Like, right. oh, Monday went by and we didn't get to artist study. So now we're going to do two things on Tuesday. No, you know, you just, when you loop, you just do the next thing and don't worry about it. And you just, eventually you get it in and you don't need to worry about sticking to a hard schedule. That's a nice, nice tool. I think we've mentioned a lot of our favorite resources. Are there any that you haven't mentioned that you want to bring up for doing something like morning time or for a specific subject, something that you love? I know before we were recording, Don West came up. I don't think you guys have mentioned him. So that is the art program that we use. He is local to us here in Michigan. And before the pandemic, he would rotate a couple days each week at different churches in the area. And I mean, he was nonstop. He would be, you know, in one town one day, next town the next day, next town the next day. I used to pay $12 per kid to go to his classes. And they were like three and a half, four hour long art classes. He told stories. It's just drawing. So pencil and colored pencil, that's basically the only tools that he uses in it. There's no paint or anything like that. I think some chalks, maybe. It was wonderful. My kids loved his class. But then when the pandemic started, obviously his classes were canceled and it took a few months, but then he totally just regrouped and he put his stuff online and now there's an online subscription. So his website is Christian art for kids and a family subscription is only $12 a month. And I was paying $12 per kid. And, and you don't so have to my be kids- in Michigan, then you can be anywhere. Anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody can subscribe and it's wonderful. He- his classes are really great. Yeah. We used him too before we moved to Tennessee and my kids loved his classes. They always look forward to them. I wasn't sure if I mentioned it earlier, but my son has used OutSchool to do the coding and the Minecraft classes. And they also have foreign language classes. They have literature classes. They have writing classes. So they definitely have like core subject classes, a lot of art classes. And we have really loved it. Our experiences, we've done, I think, three or four classes now with OutSchool have been really great. And then if you have kids who like art and want to know how to draw like their favorite animal or their favorite book character or the cartoon character art for kids hub is another website and it's awesome it's a dad and his kids and they draw together side by side which i love and they also always draw in sharpie because everybody makes mistakes and it's like not a big deal so it's like this little tiny message that's just embedded in the art lesson that i love but my kids have really enjoyed those and i think that they also do maybe like some sculpture classes in there too but we've always stuck with the drawing because that's what my kids have enjoyed. But we've been using that one for a few years now too. And I know Annie mentioned masterclass, you know, for her mom classes, but my kids have taken some of the masterclasses as well. My oldest took a makeup class that was on there and she's currently taking a dog training class. So something for everyone. Yeah, I want to mention a couple of book resources more towards the morning time end of thing. The first one is Better Together by Pam Barnhill. Mm, And that's probably my favorite morning time resource. She's just got lots of encouragement for finding ways to integrate morning time into your life and into your family life and to make it 
simple, like it's low pressure. And then she's just got a resource list in the back of the book that is phenomenal. I've found some of my very favorite morning time resources in there. And then Cindy Rollins too has a little book called A Handbook to Morning Time. This is different from her mere motherhood book. And it's published by Circe Institute. And it is just little like planning tips and kind of how she did it. And lots of suggestions of poems and artists that kids really love and things like that. And then our newest resource that we actually just started with, but my girls are really enjoying is for foreign language and it's called talkbox.mom. It has an app that, you know, you repeat the phrases. So kind of like if you're familiar with mango, but each box comes with a theme and then you have a challenge and you have the lessons to work through on the app. So you can listen and hear the audio and then repeat it back. And there's time to repeat it back. And then some fun challenges. The first box theme that we got was all snacks and food, but you're learning manners and how to ask for a snack and are you hungry and practical conversation that works in your home rather than being isolated. And so we're really enjoying that as a change before. I felt like I needed to figure out the next thing for foreign language. And so far we've really, really enjoyed this. And it's just a few minutes every morning. And then we try to implement it throughout the day in real time, like when we actually are hungry and it's been a lot of fun. I totally agree with the Better Together book by Pam Barnhill. Before reading that, I liked the concept of morning time, but I wasn't committed to it. And after reading that book, it inspired me and encouraged me to make it a priority. And it has been ever since reading it. Right. Well, I think we are winding down here. And so we always wrap up every episode by talking about what is saving our homeschools right now. Annie, what's saving your homeschool right now? I am loving having my curriculum all laid out for six weeks. Every Monday, I just go pull the next folder and I hand it to my kids. Go to town. I don't have the Sunday night. (gasps) Do I have everything I need? Nope. I have everything I need. So that is saving my homeschool. It was a joy to just pull it out this week and say, I'm done. Heather, what about you? What's saving your homeschool right now? Today, the 65 degree temperature saved my homeschool. (laughs) It was glorious. Glorious. Man, my kids were outside all afternoon and they loved it. And they were like, it was recess today. And just the fresh air and just being able to be outside. It's been a long time coming for us Michiganders. So we uh, fully enjoyed today. Lindsay, what about you? Um, It kind of goes along with what we've been talking about tonight. I've started making Tuesdays in our morning time, TED Tuesdays, instead of our normal morning time, we will watch a TED talk or one of the TED for kids videos, either like some good encouragement or someone's inspiring story or a way to think about something differently. Like I love TED talks myself. So it's been fun to incorporate that. Then lately, my husband has been asking the kids at dinner, what's something new or interesting you learned today? So it's been giving some extra conversation for to answer those questions. That's great. For me, I think my biggest thing right now is that we're on a break. So we have pushed through since Christmas and my sister is here. She's a homeschool mom too. She lives in Texas and has five kids ranging from 13 to two and they are all here. And we took a week off completely from school and work and all the things. And we are just doing some field trips and enjoying time with cousins. And the weather is picking up here too. And it's been sunny and nice and it's starting to green up a little bit. And so just having a breather. And then I am going to great homeschool convention. And I'm really looking forward to that. It's been a couple years because of the pandemic. I've actually only been once before. So this will be my second time. And I just found it really refreshing before it kind of gets the juices flowing and motivation and inspiration to just keep on sort of for this last 
last portion of the year where you're starting to think about wrapping up and then starting to think about the next year and what that's going to look like. We all kind of do that in the late spring. And so I'm really looking forward to the conference. Just want to thank everybody for being with us again. We will be back with one more episode in season two. So we'll see you then. You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Relatable Homeschoolers. We'd love it if you leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling schooling.